You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Another victory green hour, this time for your NFC champion. Philadelphia Eagles are headed to Super Bowl 57 against Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm your host, LJ Brown. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. And Connor, the game wasn't all that exciting once Brock Purdy got hurt, and I expected a more uh, exciting game, and it kind of was boring because the Eagles knew, like, look, we don't really have to do anything. They're not moving the ball on us. They can't throw the ball. So they went into a vanilla, let's just run the football. Jalen Hurts didn't have his greatest game, but he didn't have to. The Eagles defense dominated against a team that didn't have a quarterback as Brock Purdy um, injured his UCL and Josh Johnson ended up um, concussed and Purdy could only throw the ball five yards. Like if the Eagles were to have lost to a, 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 to a quarterback that could only throw the ball five yards, we would – this wouldn't be a fun show today, but we are going to try that. We're going to have fun as the Philadelphia Eagles, for the second time in the last six seasons, are headed back to the Super Bowl. How you doing, Connor? I'm doing great, man. I'm so excited. I'm so happy to be back. I understand there's a lot of spite in the air, especially for 49ers fans and some 49 play 49er player who did not want to be named felt like. And don't sit there and tell me there was a lot of effort on the 49ers part, but it was sitting there saying that it felt like when Brock Purdy hurt his elbow that the league called down and said, we want the Eagles to win. I Which don't necessarily believe. If, if, the Niners, if the Niners would have made the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo would be ready to play. So that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, yeah. There's a part of me that really feels like in this situation, Garoppolo should have been backing them up if he's ready to go. He should have been the backup quarterback. But I mean, that's for 49ers fans to discuss and argue about. Um, but at the end of the day, the 49ers defense did not look that great. We're not going to take back the Devontae mm -hmm. Smiths catch and touchdown that happened thereafter but if they want it back okay you can have it back we still win 24 to 7 so that's well, like there's well, a lot of continue. i don't like that argument and and this is me, me going to be the contrarian because that if the eagles don't that that's fourth and three if they throw the challenge flag and complete pass to Devontae, that changes the game because now the niners have the ball and they it's a momentum the shifter and on a, momentum, a short so, field so, just because, just because we score, if, if if they threw, it doesn't mean we win twenty four seven. I think it'd be a totally different game. Maybe something doesn't happen happen to Brock Purdy, um, and we get a much closer game. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just saying I don't like that playing the contrarian. It does. It means nothing. That I also, I also do want to make a point that in that instance, especially the way Devonte Smith reacted, I do not like the way Kyle Shanahan went about that. I really think that in that instance where they're rushing to the line, you can tell clearly that Devonte Smith isn't confident with what with the catch he should have at least taken the time out to get himself the extra few seconds to review the play 
throw the challenge flag, whatever he wanted to do. But I think in that big of a spot, that was worth the challenge, and it would have been overturned. Oh, it definitely would have been overturned. Um, and Devontae was smart. Even Devontae said after the game he didn't know if he caught it. Um, and, you know, Shanahan said in his press conference that he didn't want to have to burn. Like, he wasn't sure, and he didn't want to lose a challenge and or timeout if if it wasn't a catch. But the, the momentum, it, it, it was a total game changer. Just like I'm going to go back to when was it, 20 or it might have been 2018, um, with that fumble, not fumble in Dallas, where the Eagles clearly f- the opening kick recovered the fumble in the opening kickoff. There were five Eagles players there. An Eagle player came out of it, and the ref said that it was no clear recovery. And you know, Dallas fans were like, oh, that wouldn't have made a difference. That changes the complexity of the game. The Eagles would have the ball inside the red zone. They score, and I think the Eagles may have lost that game by a touchdown or whatever, or maybe went in overtime, I don't remember. But like plays like that changed the – momentum change to come just change could potentially change outcomes of the game so again i'm playing the contrarian which you say oh we would have won 24 7 that doesn't mean we would have won 24 7 no i, I, I think agree it played out completely different i mean brock purdy may not have gotten hurt the play calls could have been different because they were not the niners wouldn't have been down seven nothing the niners you know it would have been a zero zero game and they could give the ball to mccaffrey not for and and purdy wouldn't be throwing the ball as much early as he was, and maybe they don't block Hassan Reddick with a tight end, which was dumb. Um, but before we continue, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter, Twitter at Connor Ten. Follow me on Twitter at LJ Hural Fifty Four. Follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at the Painted Lines, and follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports or EOP Sports. And if you're joining us live. Let us know your thoughts on the game. How excited are you that the Eagles are NFC champs heading to the Super Bowl to face the, the Chiefs? Uh, welcome, Joe. Uh, he said that th- he played smart. I'm assuming that's Devontae playing smart, telling the team, let's go. You could tell that they have practiced the, the, the situations like that. And that's one thing about this football team. Situationally, under Nick Sirianni, they have been really good the last two years. Um, I, mean, I mean, they eventually got good under um, – under Doug Peterson, but at, at first they weren't. We're talking about a guy who who didn't call plays, never was a head coach, and he came in. He realized, look, I shouldn't be calling plays. I'm going to give that off to my offensive coordinator so I can have an understanding of everything that's going on around me. And he is Nick Sirianni is a true Philly guy. I think it. it, it, it there, there's no reason not to say that. And when, when we all had our doubts at the beginning, obviously he knows what he's doing. And the fact that Steichen's going to be here, Gannon most likely will be here. Obviously, he's going to um, he's being interviewed with uh, by the, the Broncos, so there's still that slim chance that he could he could go. There's going to be that consistency. You might lose Brian Johnson. I don't think so, but it, it would stink to lose a, a Brian Johnson guy, uh, lose a guy like Brian Johnson. Um, but the fact that this this coaching staff will be consistent for three consecutive, mostly consistent for three consecutive years, and again, I'm not trying to look past. The Super Bowl, but that's huge for the development of a of a, a Jalen Hurts, the continued development of a Jalen Hurts. And for any of the young guys that you're going to bring on, bring in on defense, like that is key when you can have that consistency. And you know the head coach knows what the defensive coordinator's thinking, and knows what the offensive coordinator's thinking. Both coordinators know what the head coach is thinking. There's no second guessing what's going on uh, when you're on the field having to make decisions. Yeah, and I mean, the only real job I saw Brian Johnson in the running for was the Jets offensive coordinator job, which they went with Nathaniel Hackett as a ploy to get 
draw in Rodgers in in the offseason. And then Jonathan Steichen, he's had the second interviews. His clearest path their job seemed like Carolina based on reports, and he didn't interview as well the second time around, or they, Carolina didn't get what they wanted out of him. So, I mean, they're going to interview. They're going to continue to interview. But as you see a lot more of these vacant roles open up, you see Mike McCarthy's taking over play calling. So Kellen Moore got the boot and then Kellen Moore immediately went to a very coveted offensive coordinator job in LA. Like, and then Jim Schwartz took on the, uh, the Browns job, which was one that there was a couple Eagles coordinators in the running for these, the more these jobs fill up the better because it's starting to look and not having one of our coordinators leave means they're not going to poach from our staff as well. So we're in a, it could be in a, bonus bonus situation if we keep them none of our lower court i I don't know what you call them lesser coordinators none of our lesser coordinators are going to go anywhere so it's a bonus like you said because we get that continuity pretty much from the top nick sirianni all the way down through to jeff stoutland denard wilson brian johnson and so on and so forth which is a major bonus because that could be play hugely next season into you know the ability we don't want to say it's an ability but the ability to have some people walk because we know we're gonna have to let some people walk yes the salary cap is going up about 18 million dollars but as i stated yesterday lj that leaves us with four million dollars but this is before how he starts his magic and how we want to see yeah, I know, I know. But and but once Howie starts his magic, we know Howie has never gone into an offseason without about $20 million. So there will be restructuring. There will be some renegotiating. There will be some extensions given out. And he'll open up the money. He'll be able to make the plays that he wants to make or the, and get the right bodies in place. Plus, we have all the draft picks and draft capital to work with on day one and day two. But like you said, the continuity is so important. This team looks night and day from last year. They look so much smarter. Their football IQ is better. The coordinators have come a long way. Yeah, the talent, like everybody started to settle. Hassan Reddick, since like I think me and you had spoke a bit about how disappointed we were in the early going. And then from week seven on, we've been left nothing but speechless. He's left us with no reason but to absolutely love him and continue to question why he is not a defensive player of the year candidate at all. Yeah, it, it's, very, it's very true. Uh, but, you know, touching base on the NFC Championship game, we know that what happened with the quarterbacks, but Birdie or Josh Johnson, don't play defense. And the Eagles, the number one ranked, they did it back in 20, the 2018 NFC Championship game against the Vikings, where they were the number one ranked defense coming in here, and the Eagles shredded them apart this time. Eagles ran it right down the throats of the San Francisco 49ers. Nick Bosa going up against um, Lane Johnson, zero sacks, zero quarterback pressures. Like he was, and yeah, was he banged up? Sure, but he was going up against Lane Johnson as a torn abductor. So I don't want to hear those excuses. <laughs> um, like the, the and and were there some questionable calls? Probably. But like the, the, there was that hold on on Devontae Smith. There was a hold on AJ Brown. They were legit calls. There was a face mask on on Boston Scott. That was a legit call. You know, if you play smart, fundamentally sound football, you will, you wouldn't have um, those calls be made. But you know, got to give credit where credit is due to this Eagles offense. They realize, and, and the coaching staff, they realize. Okay, San Francisco doesn't have any doesn't have a quarterback that can throw the football. If we can stop the run, we win this game. What do we do offensively? Let's hold on to the football. They had 37 minutes, I believe, of time of possession. Like, 
That if San Francisco doesn't have the football to give to McCaffrey, give to Samuel, give to Ayuk, even if it's in the backfield, they're not going to be able to move, score. Score. So the Eagles were smart in their offensive game plan. They got timely turnovers that turn um, the fumble by Josh Johnson, where they had a chance to, to double up. They had a chance to score, get the ball after halftime, and score again. Josh Johnson can't handle the snap. The Eagles pick it up. They score. It goes from a 14-7 to 21-7 game like that out of half out of halftime. The um uh the, the the Niners go three and out. The Eagles get the ball, they score 28-7, game over, and it was a party at the link. Now, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, it wasn't that exciting of a game because the quarterback, the situation with the Niners, but as an Eagles fan, I was happy. Like we got to you got to sit Jalen Hurts who he obviously I don't know if it's his show. He didn't look right throwing the football on Sunday. That's one thing. And the one other thing is the fact that they kept running him really bothered me. And I know that that's part of the game plan. That's him. But, dude, the Niners were at a point in the game in the third and fourth quarter where they were out to just hurt somebody. That's where I had issues with running Jalen Hurst because one hit, Gardner Minshew's not beating the the, uh, Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. We're going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals as well. But – had, that's the only issue I had with the game game plan or the game the the play calling in the second half was they ran hurts a little too much. Um, Kenny Gainwell, man, I don't know what has gotten in, into him this playoffs these playoffs, but he is a beast right now for the Eagles. And I'm done hearing about how the, the Niners are the best defense in football. The Eagles have a better defense. I don't care what they say. Did they not? Did they go up against a guy that couldn't throw the ball? Sure. But besides the one 30 or 40-yard run by McCaffrey, where the Eagles missed like five tackles, it seemed like, they held him in check. <laughs> so the Eagles deserve a bunch of credit. Gannon, who me and you over the better part of the last two years have doubted Gannon, deserves a lot of credit. He made adjustments when needed, and the Eagles are on their way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you uh, you hit on some good points there. Time of possession was completely controlled. And one of the things that I said on Friday was, or one of my biggest concerns on Friday was, if the run is stopped or if the 49ers are able to stand their own ground against the run, then there is a possibility that maybe Steichen would abandon the run. The run wasn't even effective. We ran the ball. This felt like the Washington Commanders game. Remember back earlier in the season when it was Philly versus the Commanders and the Commanders ran the ball 55 times and controlled the game the time of possession but only ran for like a 3.0 average? We ran the ball 44 times for a 3.4 average. So we had one of those games where it just it was ugly, and it was ugly altogether. It was ugly for the 49ers, the situation with Josh Johnson, the situation with Brock Purdy, the the fight at the end of the game. There was just so many situations. We're getting frustrated. Um, but we dominated and we stuck to we stuck to what was working even if it wasn't overly effective it was working just enough to get the job done and to dominate the time of possession and make sure if Brock Purdy could throw if Josh Johnson could throw or continue in the game that they had very little opportunity to use McCaffrey Ayuk Kittle um Debo Samuel they they just didn't leave any time there anyway so that's why that's another one of the reasons why and like then we had that bad punt that the, you know, the, the camera cord, they hit the wire for sure. Because you saw, I, you, I get it. You needed the, the conclusive proof. I get why they couldn't overturn it. I get why people were mad, but I get why they couldn't overturn it. It would take you so long to find that camera angle that shows it, but you could tell from the sky camera that they showed that 
punt lost a ton of oomph about 15 feet into the air. Like as soon as it left his foot, it would look like such a good punt. And then it just went died. So like you could tell it hit something, but I get why they couldn't find the conclusive proof. So the 49ers definitely had some help go their way. It just sucks. They didn't have a quarterback and they worked with some short fields as well. They were given opportunities where they just couldn't get anything done. And in all reality, maybe Josh Johnson was going to get more comfortable, but in the limited time that he was playing, that offense was not clicking. That offense was not working. I don't think they were going to be able to go. If you go pound for pound, I don't think they were going to be able to put up 31 points against our defense with Josh Johnson. Um, but like you said, this is it. What did we got some timely turnovers? We got the Devonte Smith catch, no catch. We got some things that worked our favor. And and but we took full advantage. There's no there's no guarantees you always take advantage of these situations, but we took complete advantage. And like you said, the defense doesn't doesn't do all the scoring. So the 49ers giving up 31 points on defense, people should 49ers fans and people should be equally upset about that as they are upset about the situation with Brock Purdy or Josh Johnson and the situation that arose with their with their quarterbacks. Because those were just bad luck situations. The defense for the 49ers played just really, really bad. Yeah, they did. And then, you know, a team that came in that was really good against the run. The Eagles were like, our offensive line is better than your defensive line, and we're going to prove it. And they did. Jason Kelsey continued continually getting to the second level, showing that he's a beast. Lane Johnson got even he got love from Micah Parsons, of all people, you know, saying that he's one of his favorite players in the league, and you just don't you can't. You have to respect what, what a guy like Lane Johnson's doing, hurt or not hurt, and the way he was able to go up against Nick Bosa, um, you know. It, and then um, Dickerson and, and Mylotta, Mylotta just throwing people out of the club with one arm. Like Mylotta was a beast as well. Just have to give a bunch of credit to the offensive line. I mean, Jalen Hurts, I think, took a sack or two, um, but still, like. They were, they were, the Eagles were smart with the football because one of the biggest keys is if you don't turn the football over and give Brock Purdy and that, that San Fran offense a short field, you have a big shot to win. And the Eagles didn't turn the ball over at all. The Eagles were able to get two turnovers. You know, Lindell Joseph using his head on, on that, on the, the play that uh, Brock Purdy got hurt on, picking up the football at midfield because a lot of guys would just let it sit there. They heard the whistle. Let's get, get ready for the next play. He picked it up realizing, hey, this could be a fumble. And that allowed Nick Sirianni to throw the challenge flag and, flag, and the Eagles got the football. So that was just a really, really heads-up play by, by Linvel Joseph. Um, again, situational football being smart. Um, you know, later in the game, I, one thing I liked when when Trent Williams threw Kevon Wallace down, you know, Dominican Sue getting in Williams' face, throw He pushed Williams, and Williams went back a little bit. Like, Dominican Sue's a tough guy, and we I think we talked about it when we when we signed Sue. Sue is a guy you don't like on the other team, but when he's on your team, you love him. And that was an instant like that. He is going to protect his teammates. And he got in the face of Trent Williams. He wasn't scared. Um, yeah, so you could see it down the stretch of that game. Once um, the Niners knew that they were losing or going to lose the game, like they got very unhinged. Um, and, and that wasn't a good look for them at all. No, it definitely wasn't a good look for them at all. And I get the frustration. They went through, they had some tough times. They took some bad penalties. And a lot of those penalties, I mean, they're ones that, yeah, you don't always like to see them, 
but they're gonna happen. They're situation. They're just like the ineligible man downfield. You hate to see it every time, but you sit there and you watch a replay, and the guy's three yards downfield. You get it. You understand. Same as holds. Some holds. You sit there and they're like, is, should that really have been called? I didn't find there was anything egregious about most of the penalties that were called. They they were just really bad timing on the penalties where 49ers fans and the 49ers were hoping to get off the football field and they just couldn't get out of their own way. Um, so as much as we may, they may want to blame plays or the Devonte Smith catch or no catch type thing, or the quarterback situation. I always look back at how the defense played as well. If the defense holds us to, you know, 17 points, and the final score is 17-17, then I'm sitting there and I'm saying, okay, we had a lot of things played our favor that we probably shouldn't have, that, that the 49ers, if they had Brock Purdy or something, they probably could have beat us. No, I wasn't left ever thinking or believing that about that game because the defense just was so bad. We controlled the time of possession. We did not let them get off the field. The penalties played to our favor when they needed to play to our favor. And it was good situational football. Um Avante Maddox, it was nice to have him back. He only played 19 snaps, but it's good to have him out there. And what and what did we say on Friday? The ability to have him out there for any number of snaps to be able to use Chauncey Gardner Johnson in around the field and in other aspects of the game was going to be important, and it definitely showed. Um only thing that seems to be a concern that's continuing to come up, the linebackers for us have really fallen off. Especially, I mean, you don't have to live and die by the PFF grades, but they were two, Kaiser White and TJ Edwards were two of the worst players per that. TJ Edwards had three missed tackles. He also had three tackles. Kaiser White, uh, he had no missed tackles, but he was targeted the most and gave up all his receptions. Um, but that obviously was because they had to work in a shorter field because of the situation with Josh Johnson and Brock Purdy. But I mean, that could be concerning you don't like to see that especially with travis kelsey about to come to town um you don't want to see that especially with guy like i don't know if michael hartman's going to be able to play by the end of the chiefs game they were down three they were down what down to three wide receivers but when they can have all those wide receivers playing Kadarius tony michael hartman and stuff playing in the slot you're going to want to be able to see that your linebackers can make tackles and can make plays. they don't need they don't need all those receivers he Mahomes, he looked some good for a guy on one leg. He that touchdown pass that he threw the Marquez Valdez Gantley stamp in the in the end zone, um, or down down that was on one leg was a missile, and it was he threaded the needle too. Like that was flawless. I do so before I, I did want to talk about the AFC Championship game before that. So there used to be a rule in the NFL that. You could address a third quarterback as an emergency. So if you have a situation like what happened with San Francisco. Now, we don't know if that would have been Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe it would have been him. Who knows how healthy he is. We don't know if they have a third quarterback. Do you think the NFL should institute that rule once again? I'd be okay so I'd be okay with it because you know what? In the NHL, they have that emergency third goalie situation where it's pretty much a guy who works at the arena that comes in and he gets to be the 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 goalie. While I don't necessarily I don't think it should offer an opportunity to have an extra body, like say 54 man game day roster instead of 53. It's like strictly you can have this third quarterback if necessary type situation i'd be okay with that but it shouldn't be leveraged as a oh can it just be a 54th man it would have to strictly be a quarterback quarterback. 
the NFL used to have that rule. Um, you could just dress the third quarterback. So if the first two got hurt, you didn't have to go into the situation like San Francisco. Um, so like the Eagles would just dress Ian would just dress Ian Book every game. And if Hertz gets hurt, if Minshew gets hurt, and then if the third quarterback comes in, the other the, the first two cannot go back into the game, even if they get healthy again. Once you go to that third, once you go to that emergency quarterback, once he's in there, that's it. You can't go back to quarterback one or quarterback two. So I think the NFL should go back to that. I don't know if they will, but it's probably going to be up for, for discussion, especially after what happened on uh, Sunday against the uh, or for the 49ers against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. I think it goes back um, similar to the... I do want to touch base on the AFC Championship game because the Eagles are going to be facing the Kansas City Chiefs as Kansas City defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 23 to 20. Um, all four games between Mahomes and Burrow have been field goal games, by the way. And Burrow won the first three, and it looked like he was on his way to winning this one as well, or at least getting the game in the overtime if it wasn't for the uh, – um, if it wasn't for that penalty by Asai. Um, but Patrick Mahomes, man, you, you had mentioned it, Connor, on one leg pretty much. Threw for 326 yards, had two touchdowns. His top receiver was Marquez Valdez-Scantling with six catches for 116 yards. Um, Pacheco didn't do much of anything. He's been really good for, for as a rookie for the Chiefs out of Rutgers. So that's, I mean, him kind of playing against a, a team that's close by to where he, he went to school. I know Rutgers isn't that close to Philly, but but still. Um, and then obviously the, the, the Kelsey angle and Andy Reid angle, this this – Super Bowl is going to have so many angles and so much, um, so many storylines leading up to it over the next two weeks. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. The one thing that stood out big time on that Chiefs and Bengals game. Connor, so I can... the, the only thing that stood out about that game about I the Kansas not... City Chiefs was that Kansas City has no Russian attack. It felt like they had no Russian attack. It felt like they had no Russian game. Um, they averaged only 2.1 yards per carry. So that was really frustrating. Uh, good good to see for us because it could be that it's a one-dimensional team. Um, but that, that to me, um, that to me is what stood out. Having the, having the injured receiving core, it could play in our favor as well because that I, obviously they only ended up having pretty much MVS, Sky Moore, um, and Juju by the end of the game. Um, so that stood out as well. It could be that we end up getting the Chiefs as more of a one-dimensional team, um, but there's always Patrick Mahomes, so you always got to worry about Patrick Mahomes and what could happen what he can do, what he can make happen, because as we know, he's pretty much a magician out there. And on one leg, he went 29 for 43 for 326 yards, two touchdowns, had the 105 uh, passer rating, only took three sacks. So you always have to worry about what the what Patrick Mahomes brings, even if they end up being a one-dimensional team. Um, and then defensively for the Chiefs, they they ended up suffering a fairly significant loss for Lajarius Sneed earlier in the game. Hopefully, he's going to be able to 
come back against us for the Kansas State defense state um, because they seem to struggle a lot once Ladarius Sneed went down. Um, but it is the East Magnola is definitely an incredible defensive coordinator. The way that he masks pressure and brings pressure is looking like a completely different animal against them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, the de- the Chiefs defense is definitely a lot better than I think they give than the credit is given to them. LJ, are you good now? I'm good. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep, we're good to go. So I just finished talking about. Sorry. The only cup. The only couple of elements I had was the Chiefs have no rushing attacks, so they could be one-dimensional, especially with some of their wide receiver injuries. But they do have Patrick Mahomes, and then you heard my spiel about the defense. So, anything more you want to add there? Well, the the interesting thing about that is the Eagles have the number one passing defense in the NFL, so that'll be a good battle, Mahomes versus the, the Eagles' pass defense. And you know, and, and Andy's a guy that doesn't typically like to run the football, so. Um, It'll, that that will definitely be interesting to see um, if he kind of abandons abandons it, it early. And in terms of the Chiefs defense, I mean, they got Chris Jones and they got Frank Clark up front. Um, Karloftis, you know, um, Nick Bolton at, at linebacker, um, Justin Reed at safety. So they, I mean, they do have play, playmakers. I don't know if that secondary is going to be able to hold up against AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. And I also think it's going to come down to. Jalen Hurts, is he going to be able to make the throws? He missed a couple of throws deep to, to A.J. Brown in the NFC Championship game. Obviously, it didn't come back to haunt them. But in, a, in the Super Bowl, if you miss plays like that, it definitely could come back to haunt, haunt you. And, you're, and, and, you know, we can talk about the fan bases. You have two fan bases that are very, very um, into, their, into their teams that are very that, – that are going to be there. We know that the Eagles fans are going to travel. Chiefs fans, Chiefs kingdom, they obviously tra- travel. So it's going to be a really interesting to see what the the makeup of the crowd is going to be. Is it going to be more Eagles fans? I mean, this is the second Super Bowl for the Eagles in six years. This is the third Super Bowl for the Chiefs in five years, I think, something like that. So, um, you know, that that's going to be key. And then obviously, and, and I, I don't know if you talked about it, but I, I, I'll touch base. The Kelsey versus Kelsey thing is going to be really cool there. Their new heights, Bob. That's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks. Um, Jason Kelsey, he said after the game, after the NFC Championship games, like I got a Chiefs, you know, sweatshirt I'll put on for the next three hours, and after that, I'm done being the Chiefs fans for for the year. Um, you know, and and this is where like it'd be. What do the parents do? Obviously, the mom has the 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 um the blended jersey has the Eagles Chiefs blended jersey. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, the parents win because either one of their sons is going to win the Super Bowl. But, you know, who do they root for? So, obviously, that could be dependent upon if this is um, Jason Kelsey's last year. Like, if this is Jason Kelsey's last year, you root for him. Because Kelsey, uh, Travis Kelsey will have a couple a couple more opportunities to, to win the Super Bowl. But, no, I mean, I, this is something we'll talk about next week as we do our um, Super Bowl show. But it's definitely a lot of storylines, and it's, it should be a great game. Absolutely. I agree. I, I honestly cannot wait for this game. It's going to be such a good game. And it's you get two of the bet. I think you couldn't have asked for better as far as any of these matchups being the final two matchup. Of course, we love it as Philadelphia fans and Philly fans went wild in the streets. They broke a damn bus stand celebrating like things got crazy in Philadelphia. And it, as it always does. Um, and like you said, these these 
these teams travel well. There's a lot of storylines. First uh, two black quarterbacks to go head-to-head in a Super Bowl. Hassan Reddick posted his whole thing about drafted by Arizona number one and all his whole spiel about how he's getting to return to Arizona for a chance to win his first Super Bowl um, in his first Super Bowl appearance as well. So there's so many different storylines. And you know the media finds all these crazy storylines every single year, but there's a few that stand out right off the bat for these two teams. And I just hope it's a really good game. I mean, we love defense. We love good defensive games. But at the end of the day, for me, nothing is better than a high-scoring offensive game. The the NFL lives and dies on the ability of the offense being able to produce and put up high-scoring games. And you see... The numbers came out for the the uh, 49ers and Eagles game. 47 and a half million people watched that game, like highest of any Fox show all year, I think they said, since the last championship rounds. So, like, football is king. NFL is king. And this Super Bowl is going to be huge, and I cannot wait for it at all. This they, We thought one week waiting each of those one weeks was long, and we were complaining about how long it felt. Imagine what this two weeks is going to feel like. Yeah, it's gonna be long. It's 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 gonna be a long two weeks, but um, at least we have have it to look forward to. Like a lot of people don't have, like a lot Cowboy fans haven't had it for over 20, over twenty five years. Not looking forward to even going to his Cowboys fans. Game, so. Cowboys fans have to wonder what a Mike McCarthy called offense is gonna look like. And trust me, I don't think it's much better than a Kellen Moore offense. Kellen Moore offense might be better, and he'll have, he'll have a better quarterback. Um, to, to call to call plays for and he'll, and it'll be his offense because Brandon Staley won't bother him uh with with the offense and with that those ta- that talent out in LA with the Chargers should be uh should be should be interesting we get to face the Chargers next year no we don't or do we no we don't face them can't even year. remember now um, we I know we have the hardest schedule in the NFL the we do get the Chiefs next year um in Kansas City so something tells me so if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, it wouldn't shock me if we see Eagles Chiefs week one on that Thursday night. If the Eagles win the Super Bowl, we could see Eagles Niners in Philly on that Thursday night because the Eagles host the Niners next year. So that'll be a couple interesting games. I think I think that's what the route that they may go with with one of those two games, uh, with the with, with the opening game. But that's an, obviously a different story for a uh, for a different day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, no, it I'm, looks like it. It looks like that could be a way they lean. Like both of them have great storylines. It's a conference championship or it's a Super Bowl rematch. Either way, it's a rematch and it's a rematch of the 49ers were a really good team down the stretch. They ran into the issue with literally quarterbacks. I think we'd be talking a completely, we definitely would be talking a completely different game if Brock Purdy's able to play that game out or even if Josh Johnson is. Um, but either way, you're going to get a good storyline out of that. So we could definitely be looking at week one. But for now, we look ahead to the Super Bowl and going back to the Super Bowl. I know. I it took the Eagles from 80 to 2004 to get to a Super Bowl, then 2004 to 2017 to get to a Super Bowl, and now 2017 to 2022 to get back to a Super Bowl. Six six seasons of wait, and um, I think it was worth the worth the wait. And now, now you know, Jalen is one calm, cool customer too. Like he's, he's people that get to this position for the first time, you think they'd be all. He's like, job not done. We still have. X, Y, and Z to complete. So uh, I think the Eagles are lucky. And there's a lot of talk, like, was that pick of Jalen Hurts in the second round in 2020, 2020 draft, 2021 draft? 
Is that the best draft pick in Eagles history? Could very well go down, is it? Especially like we're looking at an extension. Like there's so much going around. And I know somebody, I know when I posted that he's due for a mega extension, they're already talking it. They're already thinking it. He threw out 10 years. I think that's way too long to give a quarterback. A lot can change in that. But I, I know that we're Mahomes getting there. I know. We're exactly. We're getting to that point. Though. And, and you know, the best thing with Jalen Hurts is, like you said, he's young. And if you give him 10 years, imagine the things how he can do with a 10-year contract. You can guarantee the – on a 10-year contract, you can guarantee um, – the 240 million that Deshaun Watson got without fully guaranteeing. You can sit there and say, 10 years, I, I think the money's going to be 48 million per year. So I think you're looking 10 years, $480 million. You can guarantee him $300 million. He's got the highest guaranteed contract. He's got the highest contract, so on and so forth. You can give him that, and the guarantees dry up at what, like six years in? Like he can, how he can work so much magic if he goes that long. I think Howie will land in the six to eight year range, but. I'm okay with 10 years because, like I said, the magic you can work with guaranteed money and the salary cap and the flexibility it gives you, much better that way. Yeah. All right. So we will be back next week for our Super Bowl preview. I'm glad we, we this will be our first Super Bowl show. Like, while we were doing it, we weren't into it like that. Like, we, we didn't get to do a, a, a Super Bowl show with, with us last year. So – um, but it, it'll be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to die, jump into it, dissect it, the, all the matchups, all the storylines, as the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs are set to do battle in Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona. Your final thoughts, Connor, before we finish up. I'm so glad I, it wasn't my final Fly Eagles Fly of the Year. I get one more. I was saying that at the end of the show. I wanted one more, and I wanted it to be a Super Bowl one. Might have to like dress up as a bird, as an eagle or something, and really make it something worthwhile. But no, I'm excited. I'm excited to be back. It's been, it feels like a long five years, but like kind of like you've alluded to, we have the most trips to the what to the conference championship in since 2000. We're we're staring down a team that has probably one of the highest playoff appearance numbers in the NFC since the year 2000. We are dominating over the last decade in the NFC. I think we it would be hard to argue that we're not top three amongst all the teams in the NFC right now. Um, I know AFC is a completely different story, but we are doing incredibly well. And when we're down, we don't stay down for long. Like, as you see with Howie, he's ready to retool and go back again. Yep. Um, so the... He was lucky, I guess, and I never thought I would say this. Lucky to have Howie Roseman. <laughs> that hurt to say a little bit, I won't lie. Um, but we'll be back next week for the Super Bowl preview, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 57. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to or watching the Kelly Green Hour. You want Philly food? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently arriving. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Yeah. Yeah.